Welcome to the Faith Assembly Podcast. Join us this Sunday at one of our four campuses. Call times are at 9 and 11 a.m. at our Somerville and Remount campuses, 10 a.m. at our North Charleston campus, and 11 a.m. at our Monk's Corner campus. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Larry Burbacher. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit faithishere.org. Welcome this morning to Faith Assembly. So good to have you guys here today. What, what, what a great spirit of praise and worship this morning. We are right now, we've been talking about the Son of God and who He is. Whom do men say that I am? And so I, I want you to take your Bibles out this morning to Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19, an incredible story. Palm Sunday, we're celebrating this morning. And today we're going to celebrate our coming King. Luke chapter 19. Great to have you if you're a guest Thanks so much for being here. We welcome you today especially, and I'd love to meet you in the Welcome Center right after the service this morning. Good to be in God. What a beautiful day. Had some great weather the last several days, and that's exciting. Spring is finally here, and newness of life, and the greatest news of all is Christ is risen. Invite somebody next week. It's the one week you can invite people to come to church, and they will come with you on Easter Sunday morning, so invite your friends and your neighbors, and we'll have a great time here next Sunday morning. Now, how... How many know everybody wants to back a winner, don't you? You get behind a winner. You want a winning team. You want to you back a winner. And, and if you follow sports at all, there are those loyal fans that they're fans no matter what, right? You know what I'm talking about. Win or lose, they love their team. They, they love their, their sports team. They're very passionate about their players and all that. By the way, just in case you didn't know, I'm an Ohio State fan. And they are... <laughs> They are coming back. They will be back. Look out, look out. They're turning around. Now, now there's those real avid fans. Win or lose, they're there. And then there are others who kind of jump on board when they see a winner, right? They, they, they get behind a winner. Someone gets some momentum. They enter the playoffs. They, they go into the championship round, and everybody decides on which team they're going to follow. And they're there, and they're cheering for one of those teams in the championship, and they will back a winner. And suddenly, all those fickle fans... All those fair weather fans become an avid fan, and they're excited about their team because they are a winner. Now, the same thing happens in politics. Same thing happens in entertainment. Same thing happens in business. We want to back a winner. Now, it's, it's the, reason, the reason for that is, is because there's something innate inside of man. There's a universal human need to worship. There's something inside of us that draws us to worship, that makes us want to worship. Uh, we all long for someone to worship, something to follow, someone to worship bigger than ourselves. That's really what worship is all about. We look for somebody bigger and greater than ourselves, and we latch onto them, and we worship them. That's why we have so many heroes today. That's why we have celebrities, and, out of the, and, and they're just ordinary people but we put them up here on this pedestal and we think there's something really great because we are all wired for worship. In fact, it is so strong, if you don't find someone appropriate to worship, you will find someone or something that may not be appropriate and you'll worship that thing, an unworthy thing. That's why when we get together on Sunday morning 
and we come in. That's why gathering together is so important on Sunday because we have a, a great opportunity just to lift our voices and lift our hands and sing and praise and worship the Lord. And what a glorious time of experiencing presence this morning and worshiping Him and loving Him and waiting on God. God is worthy of worship. God has revealed himself as the son of man, one who identifies with us and knows what we're going through. He's identified himself as a sinner's friend, and I don't care what you may have done, he's able to forgive you and cleanse you today. He's identified himself as the anointed one who would come and set the captives free and proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord's favor. He's identified himself as the son of God. Whom do men say that I am? Thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And I want to propose to you this morning that he is really the only one that is worthy of our worship today. It is Jesus Christ. Today we're going to look at Christ as the coming king. I want you to listen to Zechariah 9 and verse number 9. Zechariah 9 and verse number 9. Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Now this is prophetically pointing to the time when the Messiah would come. Zechariah says he will come riding on the foal of a donkey, thousand years before Christ ever appeared, before he ever came, before the promised Messiah would come and be here. And, and, and when Jesus Christ rides into Jerusalem on that day, virtually everyone recognized what he was doing and saying when he came riding on that donkey. He was declaring himself, I am the coming king. Take a look at the video from our story today. set out for Jerusalem. Thousands were heading there for the festival of Passover. Now, he's just entered the city on a donkey. See, your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, humble and riding on a donkey. Where's he headed? Towards the temple. He must not interfere with Passover. God will bring his wrath down upon all of us. And Who knows what Pilate will do if the crowds run out of control? Nicodemus, go with Malchus. If he enters the temple, watch him. Do not blink 
Barabbas. King of Israel, why don't you make us free? Save us from the Romans, Lord. We come in peace, Barabbas. today, churches are celebrating Palm Sunday. That entry of Jesus Christ, that triumphal entry, entering the last week of Jesus' life on the face of the earth. I've already read from Zechariah's prophecy. Listen to Jeremiah 23, verses 5 and 6. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, a king who will reign wisely and do what is just and right in the land. In his days, Judah will be saved, and Israel will live in safety. This is the name by which he will be called the Lord, our righteous Savior. Now, I want to tell you, the people in Jesus' day, they didn't fully understand the nature of Jesus' coming or even the scope of his salvation. But they had been looking for a savior. They had been looking for that one uh, that Jeremiah talked about, and he would be the savior for Judah and for Israel and, and, and deliver the kingdom unto God. And they welcomed the rabbi that day. They didn't understand all the ramifications of what was going on, but they welcomed him as that king who was coming. They called him Messiah. They worshiped him. They threw the palm branches down. And he accepted their worship, even though he knew how quickly that worship and praise would evaporate within the next few days. Now the truth is simply this this morning. Jesus will not rule as king where he is not received as king. And if we want Christ to rule and reign in our lives, we have got to receive him and recognize him as king. Some in that crowd had known Jesus Christ a long time, and there were others in the crowd who were probably saying to one another, who is this man? What's going on? What's happening around here? And they were all stirred up as Jesus Christ entered into that city. And they received him as the king, even though they might not have understood what Jesus Christ's kingdom was all about. Now listen, if you want to recognize Jesus Christ is king today, and, and you want to receive him as your king, there's, there's three things that we really got to look at this morning, and I want you to take a look at that with me today, if you would, and we'll be looking at the word of God. First of all, if we're going to receive him as king, we've got to do what Jesus says. If you really want to serious about making him king and lord of your life, you've got to do what Jesus Christ says. Look at verse 29, and let's pick up our story. And after Jesus said this, he went on ahead going to Jerusalem. And as he approached Bethpage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you. And as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it, bring it here. And if anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Tell him the Lord needs it. And those who were sent went, and they found it just as he told them, and they were untying the colt, and the owners asked them, why are you untying the colt? And they replied, the Lord needs it. They brought it to Jesus and threw their cloaks on the colt, and they put Jesus on it. Now, this is a strange mission. If you're one of the disciples, and he says, go and untie a donkey, 
go up to this house, you'll find a donkey right there, and untie it and just bring it to me. Now, it doesn't tell us which two disciples he talked to, but I can just imagine their conversation on the way to go get that colt. And they're talking to themselves along the way, and one says to the other, you think the master knows the owner? Maybe it's a buddy of his. Maybe they've, they've arranged all this ahead of time. Maybe everything is okay. The other one may have said, maybe this is some kind of test to see if we're really going to obey Christ, to see if we're really going to follow him. Someone else said, well, you, you really think they're going to let us just walk off with that owner's donkey? And then maybe one of the other guys may have said, what if somebody takes a swing at us? What do we do? Do we duck? Do we fight back? What happens if a a brawl ensues out in that guy's yard that day? You know, I I think a lot of times what we do as believers is we read the Bible and we read it like a script. And the thing is, we know how it all ends. We know how it's all going to happen and what's going to take place. But these disciples had no idea. They just simply were obedient to follow the Lord. And sometimes in our life, we don't know how it's all going to end up or where obedience is going to take us. But when God tells us to do something, our responsibility is to obey and do it. Because he's the king. He's our ruler. We do what he says. The disciples, through much of Jesus Christ's ministry, were foggy on what was going to happen and how it was all going to transpire. Listen to John 12 and 16. John gives this account of the events. He says, at first the disciples did not understand all this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him and that they had, they had done these things to him. Now, they didn't know what was going on. They didn't understand that when they were leading that donkey into Jerusalem, they were leading him right to his crucifixion. And they certainly didn't understand that when they put Jesus Christ in the grave, even though he had told them, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up, somehow they missed it. And they thought it was the end. They thought when that stone was rolled away and rolled in front of that tomb that all hope was laid behind that stone. They didn't know how it would turn out. They didn't know three days later he would rise again. They, they missed it. And so many times we don't understand in our life what God may be doing or where God may be taking us or what he's trying to work out in us. And we don't totally understand it. But our responsibility is simply to obey. And the incredible thing is when these two disciples, when they obeyed Jesus and they went and got that donkey, it led to incredible glory for God. And out of your obedience, you will also bring glory to God. Because people will see Christ in you and he will be glorified in your life. Look at what happens in verse 36. Pick it up there. And as he went along, the people spread their cloaks on the road. When he came near the place where the road goes down to the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. They were welcoming their coming king. Blessed is the king. The the donkey was there. They had been worshiping and following him. Now they're recognizing him as the Messiah. And then they say, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. The streets erupt with praise because there were two men who obeyed God and took God at his word. That's what God asked for us. If he really is our king, we need to do what God 
says to do. We need to obey his word. We need to follow after him. The streets erupt with praise. Now, not everybody was in a praising mood that day. So let's pick it up. There's always a few wet blankets in the crowd. Verse 39, some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. You ever notice there's always somebody ready to quench a praise service? We can be praising and worshiping and glorifying God, and there's always a few that just say, didn't like that, didn't like that, didn't care for that. And the Pharisees are there with the wet blankets in the crowd. They're saying, stop your disciples. Who are you to receive praise? Now listen to me. If Jesus is king, and I want to tell you today he is. He is our king. He is our Lord. He is our Messiah. We have no choice but to follow him. You can't declare him as Lord. You can't declare him as king and ruler, and you continue to run your own life. There's someone else in charge. There's a, there's a new master that has set up shop inside of you, and our responsibility is simply to obey. Now, your obedience probably won't require stealing a donkey. But nonetheless, whatever Christ says to do, we are called upon to obey. And if we trust and obey God, then we believe ultimately that God will get the glory. Now, I want to ask you this morning, what step of obedience is God speaking to your heart about today? What step is he asking you to take? What is he wanting you to do? Is he, is he calling you to repentance and faith in him? Some of you are here today, and you haven't repented. You haven't asked Christ to come into your heart and life, and, and you're pricked with the words that Christ really is the king. And maybe today he's speaking to your heart and life and saying today's the day of salvation. He's calling upon you to repent this morning. And turn your entire life over to him. Maybe he's telling you to forgive somebody else. There's somebody you've harbored this grudge against and you've held that over their head and you've been angry with them. And it says in God's word, we've got to forgive as Christ has forgiven us. And so today, I need to take that step of obedience and forgive them and let it go. Maybe he's trying to give you, telling you to give something up in your life. Let go of it. Maybe there's a relationship you're involved in that's toxic, that's unhealthy, that you don't need to be involved in, and Christ is saying to you, give that up and turn away from that. Maybe he's asking you to get involved in some kind of ministry. He does that a lot. Speaks to our heart. Says, get involved with youth, get involved with children, get involved in leading a group, get involved in discipleship, get involved in the ministry. And we've been putting it off, and, and God says it's time for you to obey. Maybe He's trying to tell you to get, get rid of a habit that's been holding you down. You've held on to that habit like a blanket, like your Linus, and you can't let go of it. And the Lord is saying, let it go, get rid of it. Lay aside every excess weight and bondage that holds us back. Maybe he's telling you to start a new habit. Maybe the Holy Spirit has spoken to you many times about reading his word. And about praying. About talking to God. About connecting with your church family in a, in a deeper way, a more meaningful way. What, but whatever God is speaking to your heart, do it. 
Just obey God. Obey God. You'll be amazed how simple your act of obedience will ultimately bring glory to God. And when they obeyed, they lined the streets and said, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And they begin to glorify the Lord. Now, the second thing, if we really believe that Christ is king and we want to receive him as king, then we've also got to feel what Jesus feels. Feel what Jesus feels. Look at verse 41. And he approached Jerusalem. He saw the city and he wept over it and said, if, if you, even you, had only known on this day what it would bring you peace. And now it is hidden from your eyes. The days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. They will dash you to the ground, you and the children within your walls. They will not leave one stone upon another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. Now, now something happens on this journey into Jerusalem that on Palm Sunday we don't often talk about. We talk about the crowds, we talk about the celebration, we talk about the donkey and the coming king and all those wonderful things, uh, and we get wrapped up in the big party, and we miss some of the emotions that Christ was feeling at this very time when he enters into this city. This detail probably got unnoticed by most of the crowd as sobbing, as weeping. They didn't pick it up. They didn't recognize it. They didn't see it. Most of the disciples may not have saw it or recognized it. In fact, the only one to record what Jesus Christ was feeling on the inside and what he was experiencing in the moments was Luke. And Luke records it and he writes it down for us. And, and he says they, they saw the city and he wept over it. He cried over it. Now, I've been to the Mount of Olives before, and it sits high over Jerusalem. You can go up on top of the Mount of Olives where Christ prayed, where he waited on the Lord, and you can look down and see the beautiful city of Jerusalem. It's gorgeous at night. We took our bus up there at night, and we looked down over that city, and it's all lit up. It's a spectacular city, the city of God. We witnessed that, and you can even see the city as you make your way down the Mount of Olives, and you get halfway down, you can still look over the walls of that city. And the scene is this, while the crowds are cheering him on and saying, blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord, it says, and Jesus was moved with compassion and he wept. Now we have the word wept in there, we just simply translate he cried a little bit. But that's a very strong word in the Greek language. It is a soul-wracking, gut-wrenching sob. He broke down, he cried, he is heaving, he is very emotional. It's the same word that is used of Mary when she sobs or weeps at the tomb of Lazarus. It's the same word that's used of Mary Magdalene, uh, we'll see next week, uh, when she cries and sobs at the tomb of Jesus Christ. It, it is a very moving, emotional sob. Uh, only Jesus Christ sobs for the city of Jerusalem. Notice he's not crying for himself. He's not crying for the cross that he's about to face. Now, if we knew we were going to face that cross, we'd be crying. We'd say, turn this donkey around. He's not crying because of the cross and the crown of thorns and the fact he would be beaten. But he's crying about the fate that is going to come upon the city of Jerusalem because of their disobedience. And he weeps for that city. And there's all these shouts of joyful praise and anticipation, and they're resounding all around. Uh, but when all the shouts are going on, Jesus sees something else. He's hearing the shrieks of the people. 
And in A.D. 70, Titus, General Titus would come. He would invade the city of Jerusalem. He would destroy the temple, and he would brutalize the rebellious people. And so while everyone else is having a party, Jesus is filled with compassion for the lost sheep of Israel and what they're going to experience. And they didn't even realize what was, would happen to them in the future. Now listen to me. I want you to remember this scene. The king's subjects should feel what he feels. What does Jesus feel for the lostness of man? He's moved with compassion. He cries over their hurting. He cries for those who are wondering. He cries for those who are searching and seeking. Even if they don't know what they are looking for, he weeps and he cries and his heart breaks for them. He breaks for all those who have not yet experienced his mercy, his forgiveness, his deliverance, his peace, his freedom. I want to tell you, that's the same thing we've got to be feeling today because we may be having a great celebration in here And it's wonderful to come and glorify God and praise him and lift one another up. But the reality is there is a community all around us that are lost and dying without Jesus Christ. And we've got to begin to feel what Christ feels. It's not just about us feeling good. It's about us bringing peace and liberty and freedom to those who are still lost. Because without Christ, they will die and go to hell. We need to feel what he feels for those who are around us. We gotta, if he's really going to be king, we've got to do what Jesus did, do what he says. We've got to feel what Christ feels. And the third thing, we've got to tell others who Jesus Christ is. Now, he receives the cheers and the shouts from the crowd. He cries over the lost sheep of Israel and the desolation that is about to come over the city of Jerusalem. The Bible says he rides through the gates of the city on the donkey. The crowds are still thronging him. They are still gathered around him. Now you need to look at Matthew 21 to fit this into the context. Matthew 21, 10 and 11. It says, and when Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred. Everybody say stirred. And asked, who is this? The crowds answered, this is Jesus the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Now, now that word stirred is an interesting word. It's from the Greek word sio, sio, stirred, sio. It's the same Greek word that we get our word seismic from, okay? Seismic tells you how big that earthquake is. Talks about the rumblings and the shaking and the stirring going on. It's the same word we would use in connection with an earthquake. In fact, later when you get to Matthew 27, 51, it says the earth shook. He uses the word esithe, esithe, a form of the word sio. The earth shook, sio, and the rocks split. Now, now what is, what's the Bible telling us? The Bible tells us that the whole city was stirred. There was a great stirring going on in the city, much like there would be on the day when the earth is shaken by an earthquake. Now, here's my point this morning. This is what I want you to get. This is the good part. Listen to me. If the church does what Jesus says, and the church begins to feel what Jesus feels, I've got good news for you. Our community will be stirred. They'll see a difference. 
They'll see something in our lives. They'll want to know about it. Our whole community will be stirred because this is what everybody is looking for, a real king, a real Lord, a real Messiah. You see, they're checking you out. They're wanting, they're watching your life to know, is this God you serve really real? Is he really God? They're waiting to say, does your God really care about me? And they're watching our lives. They're waiting for us who feel faith assembly of God every Sunday morning and we come in and we sing his praises and we claim to know him. They're waiting to see if we are really different than anybody else. Do we act just like everybody else out there? Or does Christ make a difference in my life? The way I live and the way I act and the way I feel. They're waiting to see if God can really be trusted. And here's the, here's the deal. They're watching you, they're watching me. Their eyes. They're on us. And listen, when we do what Jesus Christ says to do, when we begin to feel what Jesus Christ tells us to feel, they will begin to ask, who is this man? Who is this man? And that is going to open up the door for us to explain to our friends, to explain to our neighbors, to explain to our, to our family that, yes, Jesus Christ is the anointed one, and he is able to come along and set you free from your bondage and your addiction and your life that is a mess today. He's able to release you and set you free. And we can tell him, yes, he is a friend of sinners today, and I don't care what you may have done. Christ came to seek and save those who are lost and we'll be able to tell him he is a the perfect sinless son of man and because he is the son of man he knows exactly how you feel today he's able to touch you where you where you're hurting and your pain and your anguish and whatever you're going through and he is the perfect son of god uh, the messiah we can tell him and we can tell him he is the coming king who came for us, who came down to earth for us, who gave his life on the cross for us, and who rose again on the third day for us to take our sin away. We've got the answer. But we've got to do what Christ says to do. We've got to feel what Christ feels. And when we begin to feel that and do that, those who are watching will be stirred. Who is this man? Who is this man? Listen to me. If you haven't asked Jesus Christ to come into your heart and life, you can do that today. You maybe came in here this morning just coming to church because someone invited you or, or you saw us on the side of the road. You thought you'd check it out. But the bottom line question you've got to answer is, who is this man? He is our Lord, he is our King, he's our Messiah, he's our Master. And now you've got to respond, what am I going to do with him? Bow your heads and close your eyes for just a moment. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thanks for listening to this weekly podcast. Check out faithishere.org for podcasts and videos of our previous messages.